In preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of Mark, chapter 3, verse 14. Again, that is the book of Mark, chapter 3, verse 14. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. We are on a series on our core values, and we had that printed at the back of the page. There are seven there. In our constitution, there were only six, but I requested that the seventh would be added. The seventh is not yet official until the body of members uh, allow it to be there, because this is now about the constitution. So we discussed for three weeks the first core value, which is the centrality of God's word. The second core value is discipleship and shepherding through small groups, we call them growth groups. A growth group might be a house church, a one-on-one, or a homogeneous group, meaning all women, young women, uh, senior citizens, uh, all men, so those are homogeneous groups. But we also have the heterogeneous groups, like the house church, where there could be kids and couples who can join, or singles that can join as well. Anybody can join. Uh, the house church. So we now go to the Holy Scriptures and uh, we try to now look at Mark 3.14 about the example of Jesus, what he did as recorded by Mark. The title of today's sermon is Appointed, Trained, and Sent. Let us read once again verse 14 of chapter 3. And he appointed twelve whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them them out to preach. So we will break down and discuss different uh, the parts of this verse. The Lord called 12 disciples to be with him for a few years, three and a half. When the Lord called them to follow him, they immediately left what they were doing and followed him. And you can find this in chapter 1 of Mark. When Jesus called them, the word immediately was used several times. He called a set of disciples, immediately they left. He called another set of disciples, immediately they left what they were doing and followed him. For three years, they listened to his teachings and observed all that he did. The Lord taught them many things in private. However, the Lord also brought them along in public, in his public ministry. In private, some would witness his prayer life. In public, they witness how he refuted the religious order of the time. They also witness how he healed many. And we know that these apostles, except for Judas, witnessed the resurrection of Christ. They saw him alive again. They saw him suffer. They saw him die. And they saw him alive again. These apostles, in terms of, if you just look at the dictionary meaning or the Greek meaning of the word apostolos, it just means to be sent out, 
to represent an authority like an ambassador. However, when it is used by the New Testament people, when you say the apostles of Christ, these are those who witnessed Christ, basically in the flesh, except for Paul the apostle, who had a different vision of Christ uh, compared to them. Paul met the resurrected Son of God, while these saw Jesus in his human form, not in his glorified form, I mean including his glorified form, but also in his human form. So anybody who claims to be apostles today might just be referring to the meaning of the word, I was sent by my church, maybe so I am called an apostle. Now, I'd rather call you a representative of that church. I think that's a better word. So I don't call anybody here we send as apostles, okay? Because the apostles, there's another qualification of an apostle in the New Testament, uh, mighty deeds. The miracles they claim today that are happening, if you put them into a microscope, many of them are fake. That's why here, if somebody claims that he was healed by God, I'd like to ask, great, fantastic, can we have the proof? Can you get your x-ray once again? Can you go through a medical test to really see if your cancer is gone or your tumor is gone? So we believe that God heals. He can work through physician. He can work through people. Uh, he can work through our body as we rest. And he can do miracles. We're not against that. But anybody who claims to be having a miracle, uh, we'd like to put that to the test. Isn't that just right? That we are for skeptics of ourselves, our own community, uh, rather than claiming that uh, there's a miracle, but in reality there is none. So I'm skeptical of those who claim to be apostles today. And they think apostles today are the same as apostles then, that they exercise authority over any church they went to. But even if you look at the apostles in the New Testament, like when Paul went to Jerusalem, he submitted to the eldership there, to the other apostles and, and shepherds there. When he was in Antioch, it was clear that the Antioch elders sent him, and he reported to them after uh, after his missionary journey, meaning he also submitted to local church leadership. And so there's a lot of misconception here. So be careful whoever claims to be an apostle. My, my, my question is, in what way do you define yourself? Mighty deeds? Or have you seen the Messiah in person? Or have you seen the resurrected Son of God as Paul did? And remember, when Paul... Uh, Paul went, you'll find this in Galatians, went to visit the apostles in Jerusalem to compare notes. Am I teaching what you're teaching? And he realized they were teaching the same thing, even though Paul himself was not with the human Christ, or Christ in his, well, Christ was always God and human at the same time when he was on earth, but he did not witness that. So he talked to those who, who were with Christ, and then he said, well, I compared notes. And you'll find that in Galatians. So be careful those who claim to be apostles. But these were called apostles, those whom Jesus sent. And um, they were given authority over sicknesses as well. And um, there are many who claim to be apostles and claim to have many healing ministries. 
when I came here, we, I immediately said to you, I'd like to pray for the sick, but I don't have a healing gift. I just like to pray, like everybody should pray for the sick. We should pray. And yet we see on TV that those who claim about having powerful healing ministries, even saying that churches who don't have regular healing, and some of them are fake healing, I believe, perhaps, uh, they say they do not belong to Christ. So when the pandemic happened, I was waiting for them to go to the hospitals and pray for the COVID-19 patients. I could not find any testimony that I went to the COVID ward to pray for them personally without PPE. I never saw that. Those who are so proud who claimed that. So I say in humility, if you, but if ever you claim you have that gift of healing, please approach it with humility. Why? It is the spirit who heals, not us. We may pray. Now, let us go back to the topic. I sort of wanted to address that issue because there are so many who claim to be these things, false prophets, false apostles in these last days. What will be our safeguard? It's the word of God. It's always the word of God. And the humility to learn the word of God and analyze the word of God and to be willing to be corrected by one another because we all study God's word and we function as a body. So there's no one person that replaces Christ. It is the body of Christ that represents Christ on earth. First point, appointed. The Lord Jesus appointed 12. Later they were called apostles, minus Judas Iscariot, who sold Christ for 30 pieces of silver. And you can find that in Mark 14, 20 to 21. Uh, he said to them, it is one of the 12, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. Let's hold verse 20. You know, the kind of betrayal that Judas did was he dipped his hand on the bread. You know, the bread, the breaking of bread then, it's a sign that we have an agreement. We are brothers. It's a symbol of the fellowship. It's the breaking of bread, as you would, you would see even in the Old Testament, uh, where Abraham broke bread with Melchizedek, and uh, the same way he had a covenant with God. It's about covenant, and it's about a, a deep connection with one another. So what Judas was saying is, I'm your brother, and he's still betrayed. And it's really a terrible thing that what happened, verse 21, for the Son of Man goes as it is written to him, of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. But woe to Judas. Uh, now Judas was replaced by Matthias. And there was a process in Acts chapter 1 verses 25 to 26. Somehow they wanted to, to they still have the number 12. Of course, if you look at the later parts of the book of Acts, the number 12 didn't matter anymore. However, there are those who today who try to spiritualize the number 12 as if there is something magic about the number 12. However, we can say that there is some consistency about the number 12 in, in the Bible. We have the 12 tribes of Israel and we have the 12 apostles. But after this moment, after they replaced Matthias, uh, Judas, 
there was no practice that it has to be 12. In fact, they went way beyond 12. But they did practice meeting in homes, meeting in small groups. They did practice that. Now, let's just read verses 25 to 26. To take the place in this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place, and they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Now you might be asking, what do you mean by casting lots? Because the qualification was that they, the person who should replace Judas should have been with Christ since the beginning of his ministry. So there were, there were uh, two, and they qualified. And so if both were qualified, and they did what Proverbs did suggest, take note, Proverbs is not law, Proverbs is not epistle. Proverbs is a set of wise sayings. So these wise, in these wise sayings, they said, uh, to settle dispute, cast lots. Uh, kumbaga, ang isang practice niyan, magbunutan na lang tayo kung sino manalo. Okay? Kasi pareho naman qualified. Kumbaga, dito naman sa Pilipinas, pagtabla ang eleksyon, flip ang coin. <laughs> Talaga po. Alam nga naman magbutuhan ulit, magastos yon. Mag-flip na lang ng coin kasi pareho naman kayong pinili ng tao. No? So parang ganon. So going back, it's just so both of you are qualified, why don't we just draw lots? Okay? So now, this is not the way to choose your life partner. Alright? Lord, I put several names here. I fasted for three days. And Lord... Let me choose right now who that person will be. <laughs> That's not the way to do it. Uh, the way to do it is to pray, look at scripture. Does this uh, possible partner pass through the scripture? Is he a man of God? Is she a woman of God? Does she love God first than you? Uh, that's a very important qualification because if he likes you more than the word of God, you're going to have problems because you're human and if you fail as a human, uh, the tendency of human is to despise whom they don't like. And, uh, but if they are anchored on God, despite your imperfection, you know that their commitment is to God first before to you, then you have a stronger bond with that person because it is God that he loves and fears or she loves and fears above all else. And that, for me, is a very important thing. Uh, forgive me for straying aside. Let me go back to the topic. I felt like it's just something that every now and then I like to remind young people. Uh, uh, for those who are married, uh, work on it and uh, pray with all your heart. Learn to love one another according to Scripture. Have a Christian marriage. You know, a Christian marriage is patient and kind. Love is patient and kind, not jealous, does not keep a record of wrong, etc., etc., etc. And uh, uh, we, we practice that there. So, uh, I'm sorry, let me go back. <laughs> Many, <laughs> now, God, the Lord Jesus appointed 12. He, so who appointed? It is Christ who chose the 12. The 12 did not choose Christ. And the uh, Many people think they chose the Lord, but in reality, the Lord chose them. 
Jesus appointed 12 to follow him, including the one who would betray him. Now, it is the Lord who appoints us, who calls us. Therefore, the glory belongs to him and him alone. Uh, some love to rationalize for the sake that to emphasize the responsibility of men. Oh, don't worry. Men are accountable for every sin they commit. And they have to be challenged to repent. As Jesus said, proclaim repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Every man should be challenged to repent. Every man and woman, child or old age, whoever, they must be challenged to repent. But we know if they truly repented, it is only the work of the Spirit. Therefore, I cannot even say, my, my, I chose him 10%, but it's really 90% God. That is really utter foolishness. Uh, he appointed us. We could not even repent without the grace of God. Yet we challenge every one of us to repent of our sins and turn away. And if we truly are saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, we would. And that is only by the grace of God. So he appointed 12. For what purpose did he appoint the 12? I think, let, let's go back to verse 14. Can we flash again the uh, chapter 3, verse 14? And he appointed 12 so that they might be with him. Let's stop there. So that they might be with him. He chose 12 to be with him. Wherever he would go, they were together. They would go on trips together. They met regularly. They ate together. They were with him when he was teaching privately. They were with him when he was teaching publicly. They were with him when he visited the dead and the sick. They were with him when he had an encounter with the Pharisees. And some of them were with him when he was betrayed. They were with him. And that is how he discipled them first, is to be with him. Now, the title is say, says, appointed trained. Now, the verse did not say he trained them. Where did we get the word trained? It's from reading the whole book of Mark. It's by expanding this verse and looking at the whole context. They were with him and they learned of him. Of course, there was definitely a relationship with him, a, a teacher and disciple relationship. Yet until they realize this is the Son of God. And the Lord, of course, he was patient with them, teaching them parables that they could not understand and trying to dissect it to them and being patient to explain to them explicitly what he meant. And there were times he was already telling them, but they were not believing. And sometimes people, us, we tend to not process everything because our mind shuts down on things we don't like. It shuts down. But we have to open that part of the mind to really receive the command of the Lord. And he kept saying to them that he would be dying. And, and, and on the third day, he will rise again. And they always thought that was figurative, not literal. So when he did die, they couldn't connect it, that he did say that. They were only able to connect it in their minds after the resurrection when the Lord explained it to them. You'll find those accounts in Luke and Matthew. So they were 
called, appointed to be with him. They followed him, learned from him, and observed his ways. Now they became a fellowship of brothers who trained under Christ. They learned under Christ. A fellowship of brothers who learned under Christ. After the resurrection, the apostles stayed together until the coming of the Holy Spirit. After the coming of the Holy Spirit, the church sent some to go and preach to other places. Others spread the gospel, well, because of persecution. You know, if we are not intentionally looking out and reaching out, God does something to separate us so that we will reach out. So if you're so comfortable with your group, your, for, your forever group, never growing group, and if you're with your forever group and you're not thinking of proclaiming the gospel and discipling others, you know the problem that might happen? Because you look at each other too much instead of looking out on who we must reach out, you will begin to notice what you should not really notice too much. The little flaws, the little imperfection of your brother and sister. And then you magnify that. That's what we call an ingrown group. It's a similar to an ingrown nail. It's painful and must be fixed. So if your group is in the beginning to not like each other because you've been around for a long time, try to look out and disciple others and have the excitement of reaching others. Because when you talk, it's now no longer so much about you. Oh, oh there's a growth group. I'm going to share about me. And uh, you're always about me. Yes, in a way, it is about each and every one of us, correct, but incomplete. It should be about the gospel being spread to others. It's good to talk about, hey, you know what? I tried reaching out to this person, and this is what happened. Whether success or failure in your perspective, it's good to share stuff like that. They were together. But others stayed in Jerusalem. Some spread out, some stayed together. And they were connected to Christ. And that's the second point, connected, I'm sorry. So the first point was appointed. The second point is connected, to be with Christ, to be connected with Christ. But they were not only connected with Christ, they were connected with one another. And uh, this model is something that the churches still follow today. You see, the apostles were with Christ. They were with one another. And when their time came, they were now leading others. So they were representing Christ, replicating what Christ did by gathering their own group. But it's not really their group. It's Christ's group. It's not really their disciples. They are Christ's disciples. So sometimes when I say, these are my disciples, I'd rather not say that. I say, I'm discipling them in Christ. Well, I'm making disciples of him, not mine. I'm not looking for my own followers. Yet, part of it is there because Paul even said, follow me as I follow Christ. But the ultimate is not me. It is Christ. Now, when you think your group is your group, right? When someone's not growing under your leadership, it's okay to ask them, would you like to try another growth group leader? Don't take it personally. It's all right. Why? It was never about you. Okay? It was never about us. Now, if somebody's not growing in GCF, I would say find a church where you will grow. 
But if you're growing here faithfully, as we learn together, and we, have, we want everybody to grow in the knowledge of God's Word, and we try to practice this accountability, and that's the thing about small groups, we practice accountability, meaning I am willing to be corrected in my group. But I also need the encouragement of the group and the support of the group. We try to grow in Christ. The character of Christ must grow in us. But if we will remain sensitive always, unwilling to be corrected, then we are missing the point of the group. And we're also trying to learn to love others as Christ loved us, in the sense that he loved us even though we were sinners. And we know that others are imperfect. But how can we learn to be patient? Again, love is patient, love is kind. How can we learn that if we don't connect with people? And once we connect with people, then you realize you have to learn patience. And some of the growth group leaders I, I, I talk to, I listen to, they have those experiences. And they say, you know, I try my best. He doesn't show up a lot of times, but I'm still trying to be consistent. And, uh, and that's the patient part of it, to be patient and, uh, and to grow. And it's uncomfortable growing with others. Do you know that even these disciples had power issues that the Lord had to correct? Remember James and John, including the mother. Oh my, this mother should know her place. The mother talked to Christ when you come into your kingdom because they know that for them, they will restore the kingdom of Israel. He will be king. He will lead a revolution, a military revolution against Rome. That's the concept. In your kingdom, is, uh, my request is that one, my two sons, one would sit on your right and on your left. Oh, mommy, mommy, mommy. Know your place, mommy. Don't speak for your children, mommy. Not always. That is not proper. Christ did not say no, but he asked, well, that's not for me to decide, but can they drink of the cup I will drink? You know, that cup was the cup of suffering. Can they drink that cup? Not much explanation, but you know what happened after that? You look at the text. And the rest of the 12 were mad at the two. Meaning they also wanted the power. <laughs> they, they were uncomfortable with, the, with them. And as we grow in the Lord, as they grew in the Lord, they realized it wasn't about that. As we grow in church, we realize it's not about that. It's about proclaiming the gospel, making disciples, and having a support group here to grow together in Christ because that is his plan that we are connected to each other, his body, and to reach out to the world to make disciples. That is God's plan. So to be connected. Now, they were also sent. The third point is sent. The Lord Jesus appointed 12 so that they would be with him so that he may later send them to preach. He also gave them authority over demons. You would find that in verse 15. Uh, the disciples obeyed and preached the gospel of Christ. May we bring back verse 14 of chapter 3 once again. 
And let's read it again. And he appointed 12 so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. So there are two things, to be with him and to preach. So we, the disciples, until today, all disciples in Christ are to be with him and his community and, and, and preach the gospel. So it's a dual thing. It's not just one thing. I just want to listen. Yes, you listen, but what you hear, the gospel you hear, you must also speak out. The disciples observed Christ and listened to his teachings. Now, time with the Lord made it possible for them to learn. As a result, the apostles became the witnesses of Christ's life, suffering, death, and resurrection. Because they were with him. They witnessed it. Now, let's go to the application. Although we brushed a little about our application. Let's just zero in on how do we apply this within our context, year 2021, here in Naga City, or in the Bicol region, or wherever you live. Uh, the first point was appointed. The application there, I would say, would be follow Christ. Well, it's he who appoints us, but in our minds we follow him. We acknowledge that he called us. That is why we follow. We don't follow because we want to. We follow because the Father draws us to him. Now, the Lord called 12 to follow him, and he still calls men and women to follow him through the word of God or the gospel. We should follow him with our whole heart, mind, and soul when we hear the gospel. Well, many of us have heard the gospel, and that gospel has been made clear, especially you've studied Romans with us. Soon we'll be studying Galatians, and even the gospel will become even more crystal clear. Now, we have heard it. The only response there, by his grace, is with our whole heart to follow him. Like in the book of Mark, immediately they left what they were doing and followed him, meaning Christ was the priority. For us, Christ is the priority. Whether you're a busy student, Christ is the priority. Whether you're busy at home with all your chores, Christ is the priority. Whether you're busy in your work or business, Christ is the priority. Now, if you say you don't have no, you have no time. One, I don't believe you, because if you can have an hour of of Netflix or listening to a podcast and doing nothing, certainly you have time to join a growth group. Certainly, you have time to go online. If you can't go and meet the physical gathering, you can always go online, and that's usually just what an hour, an hour and a half. Unless you really want it to roll and keep talking. Some growth groups last for hours, but it's, they can exit any time because they learn to love the fellowship of one another. Follow Christ. Leave what you're doing and follow him. Uh, don't wait for people to tell you. you. You heard the word for so long, you don't need for somebody to always follow up on you. 
But some of us, I think, are enjoying the follow-up. You know, like we're being wooed. Tagalog sinusuyo. No, um, I don't think that's the mature thing. Sometimes I flip it, you know. The rich young ruler came to Christ, what shall I do to have eternal life? And Christ said, get rid of everything you have and follow me. I'm paraphrasing, of course. And then he left sad and Christ did not follow him. He did not follow up on the rich young ruler. Um, there are times we should stop. But we should fo now focus on others that must hear the gospel. Why waste time on people when you have invited them a hundred times? They know the schedule. They can always ask and they can be consistent if they want to. But then we, open, we have an open arm, arms to everybody. And uh, no matter what you've been through, no matter what your past is, no matter how guilty you feel or how superior you feel spiritually, well, we'll work on that. We'll work on everything. Now, to the one who's, who thinks he's spiritually superior, we need to work on that because the Pharisee heart does not work for Christ. He hates that. And, uh, and uh, well, excuse me for a strong word, but the God there's, does, the Bible did teach, teach us, although he loves the world, there's also this hate of the wicked that, that he has, and we cannot hide that because that is still in Scripture. So I say, we work, he will work on us. We don't need to be perfect to join his community. It's in joining his community and learning together with God's community that he shapes us. Take note of that. The shaping of God includes the community of believers. It is not independent of that. Of course, he can speak to us through the word and uh, remind us by the Holy Spirit, but the, the design is never complete without the interaction with other believers, like the disciples had one another. They had one another. And if you look at the church community in the book of Acts, they had each other till death. Of course, when they were sent to the dungeons, they were all alone, but they knew that there were others praying for them. Like Paul was sent to the dungeons, he could still write to somebody because he's connected to the community. Uh, Next point, well, let me just further uh, state, when we follow Christ, let us remember we are wretched sinners who need a Savior. Only Christ is the Savior qualified to save us. And we've discussed this lengthily in, the, in our exposition on Hebrews. Uh, thus, we have faith in him and we submit to his sovereign lordship through repentance. And next, grow in Christ. Application, grow in Christ. Christ brought the twelve with him, which meant that they had time together. The disciples observed him and listened to him. Now, how do we apply this today? Uh, through studying the writings of the Bible together. By studying scripture, of course, we can expand that by praying together and worshiping together. It's like being with him. If you look at the uh, Christ with his disciples, for a few times he talked to the, like Peter. He had a one-on-one -on -one discussion with Peter, but most of the time they were together. Uh, of course, in, our, in some organizations, especially student organizations, they promote a lot of one-on-one -on -one discipleship. But I'd like to say that once in a while we should do that, but the real formula, or it's not really a strict formula, but if you observe in scripture, the common thing they did was they were together. 
they grew together. It's really more of together is the regular thing and the one-on-one -on -one is from case to case uh, basis. So the disciples grew in the, their knowledge of him together. And even after the ascension, they practiced this principle of gathering together. And you'll find that all over scripture. Therefore, we must learn the word of God together as a community. And third is preach Christ. The Holy Spirit and the word move us to proclaim the gospel. We proclaim the suffering, death, and resurrection of our Lord, and we proclaim repentance for the forgiveness of sins. We must preach Christ. So why did uh, Christ call his disciples to be with him and to preach two things? In verse 14, two things. So we gather together in his name as a body. He's not physically with us, but his word is with us and his spirit is with us. But it's not just being together to learn together, but also to proclaim at the same time. So I'm encouraging everybody to not trust in yourself. It's not about you. Scripture says we should trust in the Lord with all our hearts and do not lean. Do not lean on your own understanding. Remember that the power to save is from the gospel. You'll find that in Romans 1 that the gospel is the power of God to salvation. Not you, not me, but the gospel. But we are instruments of the gospel. We're instruments to proclaim the gospel. So what do we do? We find ways to proclaim the gospel. Anybody who's willing to listen, whether it's an adult, an old person about to die, or a young person still running around, you don't know if they understand you or not, they just want to play, speak to them. Find a way to just tell your story. Because the one that transforms or saves is not us. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. And what is the gospel again? Christ died, suffered, and died for the sins. And because of sin, each person is guilty. Just one sin makes you guilty. It's not about a matter of how good you are. It's not a point system that my good works should surpass my, my sins. No, one sin makes you guilty. No matter what good you try to do, it won't qualify to cover your guilt. The only one who takes away that guilt is Christ himself. He received the wrath of God. The wrath meant for us, meant for people, to the, meant for the saved. And then by receiving it, he died. But because he had no personal sin that qualified him to die for others, because a person who sins is not qualified to die for others, but everybody sinned except him. So he, because he had no sin, death could not hold him. And we know that through the story of Adam and Eve, death came into the world because of sin. Because Jesus had no sin, death could not hold him. Therefore, he resurrected meaning he has life. He, he has the power of eternal life. And we can have that eternal life if we truly believe in him. And when I say believe, it's not believing in his existence. It's not believing like you believe a religion, but it is having faith and trusting your whole life to his word, entrusting your whole life to what he did, believing 
that his sacrifice is sufficient for you. And of course, if you truly believe, you would repent of your sin. And he said, proclaim repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And you find that in Luke 24. Now, we proclaim the gospel. And after we proclaim the gospel, we invite people to grow with us in the community. A church community should have the triune God and the word of God at the center. A community should learn to apply what they learned to each other. So, how do we apply Mark 3.14? Please memorize 3.14. It's very easy. He appointed 12 that they might be with him. And so he can send them out to preach. So it's very simple. Whatever translation you have, you memorize it. So uh, how do we practice it? We are called to be with him. How do we be with him with his body and his word at the center? Because who's teaching us? It's really the word. So the role of the pastors, teachers, is to faithfully, carefully study the word and to bring it to you as accurately as possible because it is the word of God that makes Christ the center of this church. And everybody can analyze that. That's why we're teaching you how to analyze uh, scripture. And that hopefully every growth group leader will learn to teach this. But they have to learn it themselves. Uh, but we will have, and we have, we have had classes before. Perhaps right now because the, uh, there's an ease of the restrictions. Maybe we can have those classes once again right here. So we proclaim the gospel and we invite them. It's not you proclaim the gospel and goodbye, I've done my work. No, no, it's you proclaim the gospel. Invite some to your home. If you don't like your home because you're afraid of COVID, invite them somewhere to have a drink of coffee maybe or something, to have pizza. You know that if you invite somebody for pizza, they have to listen to you because you're paying. Sometimes a little investment helps. And instead of... Uh, you enjoying yourself, save money for a while so that you can spend a little for others. And because you treated them, at least somehow they'll listen to you because you made the treat. If it's your birthday, use it. Use it. How? Well, may I invite you? It's my birthday when they're right there. Okay? Have 10 minutes, 15 minutes to tell your story and proclaim the gospel. And then you invite them again. That they might be with him and to proclaim the gospel. So we are together, but we must proclaim together. I, I give you right now the poem for today. To be with him. He appointed 12 disciples. They would become his apostles. But Judas would be the traitor. Someone would replace him later. The twelve would be with him always. They'd listen to all he would say and witnessed his way of living, praying, fellowshipping, learning. He would send them to preach the gospel, to proclaim to many people. Thus, remember this, he chose you. Enjoy learning and growing too. Together, like the twelve, let's grow. We bond so we can grow and sow. And may none, of, none fall away from him in Christ Jesus. We are all in. Let us all rise. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. We thank you for reminding us 
guiding us and showing the relevance as well of what we practice, that it is deeply rooted in your word, that they were with you and you sent them to preach. We want to be with you and with you is a personal relationship, but that also includes your body, your body, your body, the one who represents you on earth as a collective. And as we grow together, remind us when we enjoy one another's company that it's not about us alone. It is about you and it is about the lost that we may go and preach your gospel, that we may go and make disciples. Thank you, Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all, and God's spiritual blessings and all other blessings be with you all the days of your life. And God's people say, Amen. Good morning.